Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, 49ers fans, hopefully you enjoyed the rare Rage Against the Machine intro music. I uh, maybe did this whole episode just so I could have a Rage intro. I, I you know, I grew up listening to, I, I guess, angry rap music and angry rock music. So that just makes me so happy. And this episode, if you haven't guessed, it's going to be Know Your Enemy. I, I want to take a small break from breaking down all of the 49ers draft prospects in detail and... Just focus one quick episode on the NFC West. Uh, What is it that our division opponents have done during the draft? What are their biggest weaknesses, best picks, worst picks? What did they do? And also, looking forward, what does their draft capital look like for 2020 and beyond? Uh, Almost every single one of the teams uh, had some type of you know, transactions to either strengthen or worsen their 2020 draft capital. And, you know, in the NFL, every single team's core, you know, number one goal is to win their division. And if you can't win your division, then there's some major red flags in your organization. And I think personnel departments, head coaching, everything that all of these teams do is to scheme against each other. And we saw that in the draft last weekend in Nashville. So what we're going to do is just jump through all three teams, You know, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals look at how they improved, what they missed, what they could have done better, and just so that we know exactly what we're getting into here in the 2019 season. So I want to go in order of the finish last year. So we're going to start with the Super Bowl, I guess, runner-ups, losers. I don't know how you call that. The Rams lost in the Super Bowl. And so let's go through each one of their picks quickly. And then after that, we're going to do just a real quick snapshot of their roster and see where they are. So the Rams didn't have a first round pick as they, you know, in this new front office, they do not care about the draft. (laughs) They want to trade all of their draft capital and see what they can do in free agency and try to win now while Jared Goff is still on his rookie contract. And this seems to be the new blueprint for almost every NFL team. Get a, you know, very high pick rookie quarterback and during his five years of cheap contract status, load up with very high price free agents so that it counteracts that. Because once you give, you know, it seems about, you know, 13 to 16% of your cap to a franchise quarterback, once that is allocated, most teams are hamstrung. Now, in today's um, salary cap, certain teams can find ways around that. The 49ers and their deal with Jimmy Garoppolo front-loading that whenever you had all that cap space. Um, Next year is going to be a bit decent hit. But anyway, back to the Rams. So uh, they had a couple glaring needs in this draft. Uh, Number one was, you know, back-end safety help and edge help. And somehow Taylor Rapp... You know, one of my favorite safety prospects, I had him ranked number two overall in this class, 
fell to pick number 61, and they took Taylor Rapp, safety out of Washington. This was unbelievable, but the biggest, I guess, drawback that they had with Taylor Rapp was he ran a 4.740. So the teams that were looking for a roaming free safety like the 49ers and other teams, they basically had to completely remove Taylor Rapp from their board. Uh, he's going to be the in-the-box guy or a cover-two guy. Uh, that's what he is limited to just because of his physical skill set. Now, he is a very polished player and an amazing pickup here. Um, absolutely love that pick. I was very upset whenever he fell. You know, I wrote an article that talked about ceiling and floors of draft prospects, and I said, Taylor Rat, there's no way he falls, even with his terrible pro day and combine, past 61. And unfortunately, that's where he went. Third round, they went Darrell Henderson running back out of Memphis. And this kid, um, he's a lot of fun. The most elusive running back in this draft in every which way. Um, I had him ranked very, very high. And this raises some concerns. You know, the Rams have some holes on their roster. And Todd Gurley, you know, the, it's been well documented. The, you know, arthritis in the knees. You know, he's very, very young. However... Man, we saw that he wore down last year, rightfully so, after 300-plus carries during the regular season. And the year before that, wherever he had almost 400 touches, this is problematic in today's NFL. So they go and get somebody, you know, Darrell Henderson's going to step in, and it seems like they're going to do a running back by committee. Now, Gurley is definitely better than Henderson, you know, going the 70th overall pick compared to Todd Gurley, one of the, you know, most talented running backs in the NFL, but... This is scary. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to be dependent on Todd Gurley in the volume that they have been giving him the past few years. So curious to see how that's going to work out. You know, if, if Gurley is ready week one, that would be ideal for the Rams. But if not, I don't think they have to be too worried. You know, running back's one of the few positions you can step in right away. As long as your pass protection is good, you, there's not going to be a big hiccup there. Now, uh, quickly jumping through the rest of their picks, they took David Long, cornerback, Michigan in the third round, and then Bobby Evans, uh, tackle out of Oklahoma at the end of the third round. One of my favorite picks. They have a great offensive line. They don't really have any holes across the thing. Now, uh, Andrew Whitworth, who is one of the better offensive tackles in the NFL at left tackle, is very, very old. He might have one more year left. So Bobby Evans, the right ta uh, he played left tackle for Oklahoma and Kyler Murray, the Heisman winner. And so he's probably going to be their swing tackle and will step in. That was a great pick by them. He's got some question marks, but again, the guy is a capable player. Greg Gaines, defensive tackle, Washington in the fourth round. And then David Edwards, tackle again in the fifth round. They double dipped there. They didn't have a sixth round pick and finally took another safety, Nicholas Scott, uh, in the seventh round and Dakota Allen, linebacker in the seventh round. So. That is their draft in a nutshell. Now, here's the deal. Their 2020 draft capital, they are already short one pick. They have traded their fifth round, uh, fifth rounder in 2020, so they're without that. And now it's going to be curious because do they keep their first and second round pick or do they trade it uh, right up at the deadline to get another key piece? They're movers. <laughs> they, they like to move around. Now, the best pick... Taylor Rapp in the second round, as I said, is just unreal value, day one starter. And if you look at their safeties, you know, they got Josh Johnson. They brought over Eric Weddle, who's, again, another older kind of slow instinct type safety who could even play some linebacker. I wouldn't be surprised. And then Taylor Rapp. So they've got three key safety positions. This is a team that is building through the secondary. 
Um, you know, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters on the outside, Nikel Roby Coleman as their slot guy. Their secondary is stacked. You know, they have six solid starters that they can have back there. Now, the issues come up front. You know, they do not have edge pressure. You know, they traded for Dante Fowler, who was not very good. They brought over Clay Matthews, who, again, is not like he was in his younger years. If you look at pro football focuses ratings, they don't have a top 50 player at the position at edge. And that's even with Clay Matthews. So they, you know, Aaron Donald does what he does up the middle. And they got Brockers to try to help there, but they lost Sue. This is a defensive front that did not improve. Even if you love Clay Matthews, which I don't in his older years, there's a reason why um, they let him go. The Packers did. So uh, there are some definite concerns on this defensive line. Uh, outside of that, there's no holes on this roster. Offensive line solid. They have four stud wide receivers, two decent tight ends. Their quarterback's decent. So this is a complete roster. The only main concerns is that second linebacker position outside of Corey Littlejohn, who, you know, he, he's kind of used as that nickel linebacker. It, what are they going to do? Uh, David Edwards in the fifth round was about it, uh, that they addressed this linebacker position. And here's the thing. I, I really felt like David Edwards, the tackle in the fifth round, is what, what I was saying is, Man, they should have – they already got a stud tackle. <laughs> Why not address edge or linebacker your one hole? But I, I'm guessing they see it as, hey, we can get by without that just because of how strong we are. So uh, that is the Los Angeles Rams. I, I said it correctly. I'm proud of myself there. Their draft in a nutshell, and again, their biggest weaknesses is going to be linebacker position and then edge pressure. And it's funny as you know, we move on to the Seattle Seahawks, things don't change very much. They were a big time mover, the Seattle Seahawks, right before the draft. You know, they traded Frank Clark, uh, the domestic violence guy, uh, but an absolute stud on the edge as far as on the field. And they didn't have any edge pressure whatsoever. So they go out in the first round, and they draft L.J. Collier out of t uh, TCU. And this was just one of those picks that's just like, what are you doing? Um, Pete Carroll, you know, and Snyder, they have their own draft process and they are not a group think organization. They seem to always take players that everybody else had a second or third round grade on. I had a third round grade on LJ. He plays so slow. He's the definition of a slow get off. Um, he's long. And so if you look at Frank Clark, and Bruce Irving and the type of edge players that they have had in this position, he fits that mold, but his film is rough. I, I really do think that Ben Bonagu, the other edge player for TCU, was a much better prospect and much more polished. So LJ, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. They got him with a 29th pick, and then they follow that up in the second round with another head scratcher, Marquise Blair who, you know, I graded over 160 prospects before the draft. He wasn't one of them. You know, I watched one of his game tapes before the draft, and I was like, no, this player's not going to be in my top 160. But if you look at what this kid can bring, you know, he's 6'1", he's a 4'4 guy, so he, he meets the raw metric that you want for that single high position, uh, free safety position. But again, this is a guy you could have waited to get. I don't think a lot of teams were that high on him outside of uh, the Seattle Seahawks, but they do things their own way. 
Um, they have no problem taking raw potential and trying to make that fit with what they do. Now, they followed the terrible picks, I think, with the, one of the best picks of the draft, and they get DK Metcalf. At the end of the second round, pick 64, uh, he was very well documented. The combine starling, you know, he comes out and runs 4-3, absolute physical freak. He is going to step in and start day one. And there are rumors out there already that, you know, Doug Baldwin, he's probably going to retire because just all the injuries and everything, that guy's played so well. Uh, I don't like the Seahawks. I actually hate the Seahawks so much. But uh, Doug Baldwin is a person I really uh, respect his game and the person that that guy is. Love me some Doug Baldwin. Now, the question's just going to be, you know, what do we do with their wide receiver position? Because everything that they do, they're one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL, and now you've got these two streakers <laughs> that you have on the outside and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So it seems like they're going to run the ball, run the ball, play action, chunk it deep. If you, if you look at what happened last year with Tyler Lockett, he was averaging about two catches and one touchdown a game uh, because they are just hit the big play, and that's what DK Metcalf's going to bring to them. They still have some holes uh, big time in their wide receiver core. They don't really have a lot. They've got, you know, more on the outside. David Moore, who's okay. But, again, he's not really a starting wide receiver in the NFL. Now, they follow that up in the third round. They get Cody Barton out of Utah, linebacker in the third. Fourth round, they go get Gary Jennings, another wide receiver out of West Virginia. He's another big play guy. Uh, they they seem to have completely just said, screw the slot receiver position. Let's just go for nothing but home runs. And so they keep drafting these very fast kind of vertical wide receiver threats with and just kind of allevi alleviating completely the small shifty whatever. So it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. The fourth round, they also get a guard, Phil Haynes. Um, then they get another cornerback. I'm going to mess this name up. Yugo Chukwa Amadi out of Oregon, who's a very fun player. I really liked this pick for them. I was a little upset, but it's it's what it is. And then in the fifth round, they get Ben Burr Kiravan, linebacker out of Washington. They follow that up. Their last three picks, Travis Homer running back out of Miami. Demarcus Christmas, defensive tackle out of Florida, and then John Ursa, wide receiver out of Hawaii in the seventh round. So, 2020 picks. Um, they have an extra second round pick for that Frank Clark trade. You know, I have no clue what the Chiefs were thinking. They overpaid in draft capital and they overpaid price wise to get Frank Clark. You know, they lost both their edge players. Um, they allowed Houston to go to the Colts, and then they traded us D Ford. And that second round pick in 2020 that we gave for D Ford could end up in Seattle's hands. Hopefully, it does because the Seattle Seahawks get the worst pick of the second round that the Chiefs have. They have two second rounders: the Chiefs' original second rounder, and then they also have the 49ers' second rounder in the D Ford trade. So whichever pick is lower um, or worse is probably the better language of those two. That is the one that the Seahawks get. So hopefully the Seahawks get our second rounder, which means we finish ahead of the Chiefs. Uh, they do not have a sixth or a seventh rounder. And the Seahawks, they were all over the place this draft because, you know, they walked in before the trade. They only had four picks before they traded Frank Clark. And they ended up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. 
they are always one of the most mobile teams on draft day. Uh, best pick, DK Metcalf, as I said earlier, at the end of the second, that is absolutely incredible. And, you know, Russell Wilson can throw the deep ball very, very well. Um, worst pick, Marquise Blair in the second round. No one had him this high. Durability and discipline concerns on the field. Um, he's not a character guy, but he bites on every double move. You know, I went back and watched a couple more game films, and I was just like, I would out and up this guy, play action, fake this guy. You can – Kittle's going to mess this guy up. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Several misreads all the time. LJ Collier in the first was an insane bad pick. However – it does address a need for them. They still have a major need at edge rusher, even though in the first round they went edge. And so it's a valuable position and a position of need, but it was still a reach. So that's kind of my honorable mention for worst pick of this draft. Now, the biggest holes on this roster, gosh, there's many. O-line is awful, you know, and they have one startable offensive lineman, and that's Dwayne Brown, who was, you know, the fifth best tackle, according to Pro Football Focus last year, left tackle. Outside of that, they don't have anybody. Um, their left guard, Mike Uapati, who, you know, 49ers know about, he's several injuries, and he's been around for a long time. Uh, Justin Britt at center is awful. DJ Fluker, he's just been terrible for a very long time at tackle and guard. Jermaine Effetti, another terrible first-round pick. So they have some major issues up front. Russell Wilson was the third most sacked quarterback all of last year, and it seems like they're just okay with that's staying the same. It doesn't seem like that's going to change. And they wait all the way till the fourth round to draft a guard in Philip Haynes. And so it doesn't seem like they, they just do not value the offensive line. And that makes me happy. So uh, edge is a major concern. Offensive line is a major concern. Outside of that, they've got a pretty good defensive scheme um you know they run the same thing as us and because they have bobby wagner in the middle and kj Wright, they are able to mask a whole lot of inefficiencies um in that secondary but definitely i think that they got better um but they didn't address their two biggest needs which is edge even though they drafted one in the first round it was a terrible pick and offensive line all right, before we get to the Arizona Cardinals, I just want to take a second and thank our sponsor, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. Uh, these guys are the absolutely best, best friends of the podcast, and we love everything they do. If you have any needs for sports memorabilia, whether that's birthdays, anniversaries, if your wife is that cool, and or if you're a wife listening to this, your husband, of course he wants some 49ers or any team. Um, head over to Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. The, everything is completely authenticated. And here's what I'll say. Some of the easiest people in the world to work with. Um, it's not a gigantic company. Uh, they take care of everything as if, you know, they know you personally. So head over there, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia, for anything that you need for uh, any sports team whatsoever. All right, the last team uh they they had the first overall pick the arizona cardinals the worst team in the nfl in 2018 i'm trying to throw as much shade as i possibly can if you can't tell uh before i talk about their draft they had a weird draft uh they are shaking things up now a few things that i could say is one thing that i hate when nfl teams do is where they just throw darts at a dartboard and just try to build through whatever reason and the Cardinals did not do this. They are a 
team that has a very clear definition of where they are wanting to go, and they drafted accordingly. So I have to give kind of hats off. I love teams that have a philosophy and know what they're trying to do, which the Cardinals, they, they, they haven't been that for a while. I know Steve Kime has been there for a long time, but uh, Cliff Kingsbury gets hired from Texas Tech after he gets fired from one of the worst Big 12 teams, and then he goes to USC and then quits that job because he just took the first job he could, whatever, and now he's head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And he decides to trade – their 10th round pick that they traded up for in Josh Rosen uh, for Kyler Murray. So I, I shouldn't say they traded him for Kyler Murray. They traded him away so that they could draft Kyler Murray with the first overall pick. So they take the Heisman winner. Um, Kyler Murray is an interesting cat, nonetheless. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, got a coach against this kid in high school when he was back at Allen. And he's unbelievable. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury came out and said whenever he was still at Texas Tech, I'd take him in the first overall pick no matter what, and he was not lying. <laughs> so they take Kyler Murray, and it's interesting because they didn't have a deal worked out with Josh Rosen until the end of day two. But they follow up Kyler Murray with my favorite pick of this draft. The very first pick in the second round is Byron Murphy, cornerback out of Washington. This kid... Uh, absolutely love this guy. You know, I, my affinity for Washington secondary players is very, very high. They are the best coach secondary players and most polished players in all of college football. And this kid could play very, very well. And it, it was interesting because the rumors were out there. Nikhil Harry, wide receiver out of Arizona State, who eventually went to the Patriots with the 32nd overall pick, he tweeted out, uh, Arizona Cardinals told me if I'm there at 33, they're taking me. And the Patriots do what the Patriots always do is they jump in front of people and <laughs> they've ruined plans. And I kind of wish Nikhil Harry would have fell here because this Byron Murphy pick was just too damn good. The fact that they're going to have Byron Murphy at one corner and then, of course, Patrick Peterson, one of the top NFL cornerbacks still to this day on the other side is very, very scary. Um, then after that, the question marks start. You know, the end of the second round, they get Andy Isabella, which... I hated this pick. I, I really, really did. I think that Isabella is an insane speed track guy, but he cannot get off of press coverage. He, he um, Now, he has the tools, perhaps, to improve. Not saying he's a finished project by any stretch of the imagination, but make no mistake, you, you watch this guy's film. Is he a playmaker? Yes, he is. Is he a guy that can be taken out of games? Yes, he is. Um, then they follow that with a great pick, Zachary Allen in the third round, defensive end out of Boston College. He is a perfect fit in a 3-4. That big side defensive end, he is going to be absolutely incredible. Plus, they added Suggs, so their defensive front is pretty solid. Now, curious to see how this is going to pan out because they completely alleviated one position, and they keep going back to the well. In the fourth round, they go get Hakeem Butler, um, who was one of the biggest steals in this draft. I had an early second-round grade on him. He is the big 6'5 wide receiver out of Iowa State. So they go back to the well. They get two wide receivers, which is interesting because they do have Fitzgerald, which you don't want to plan on him having you know, more than one year. But they drafted um, Christian Kirk very early last year. And so then they go get Andy Isabella in the second round. Then they get Hakeem Butler. So you're sitting there thinking, awesome. 
They got four top-tier wide receivers. Good for them. Uh, this is an air raid system. You know, you can look at um, what Texas Tech has always done. You can look at what Art Browse did at Baylor and at Houston, and you can look at what Mike Leach has done in Washington. This is what they're doing. Uh, this is the biggest um, shift in the NFL is just throwing the ball around. Very similar to what the Rams do, um, but a little bit less Kyle Shanahan and a lot more screens and whatnot. Then they get Deontay Thompson, safety out of Alabama. Again, another guy that fell. He was a top 10 pick before the SEC championship. He had a terrible SEC championship. He had an even worse um, national championship versus Clemson. And then he had a bad combine. Then he had a bad pro day. So this guy fell from first round to sixth round because he just continued to get exposed. But in the sixth round, that's a great pick. Um, sorry, fifth round, that's a great pick. Sixth round, they go back to wide receiver. Keyshawn Johnson out of Fresno State. Sixth round, Lamont Golliard, uh, center out of Georgia. And this is my biggest problem with um, the draft. How can you not address offensive line until the sixth round? I, I don't get it. You have the worst offensive line in all of college football. I, I, they're top, worst three no matter what. And so their philosophy has to be, oh, we're just going to catch and throw, catch and throw, catch and throw. Um, don't have to block for them. And this was the reason why Josh Rosen failed. You know, if you listen to my podcast last year, I was super high on Josh Rosen, but I always had the asterisk next to him. If he goes to a team with a bad offensive line, he's going to be a complete bust. You have to protect him. Kyler Murray, very different quarterback. This system, very different system. It's going to get the ball out super, super quick. So it's going to be kind of a catch-and-release type offense. And so they're saying, hey, screw it. We don't need an offensive line. Let's draft three wide receivers, the most wide receivers drafted in the entire NFL uh, draft. And, uh, again, if you look at the NFC West, 49ers drafted two wide receivers. Seattle drafted two wide receivers. Arizona drafted three wide receivers. Um, all of those are among the league leads. This is turning into a very interesting con – or I almost said conference going back to my college talk – this is a very interesting division, and it's going to be entertaining to say the least. Now, they wrap up in the seventh round. They get Josh Miles, tackle out of Morgan State. Uh, defensive end, Michael Dogby, uh, defensive end out of Temple in the seventh round. And then Caleb Wilson, uh, somewhat of a receiving tight end um, out of UCLA. Um, he, he was a guy that a lot of people considered in the second round but just got really, really bad as the year went on there. Um, so they do have an extra fifth-round pick in 2020 because of the Rosen trade. Um, now they have no sixth-rounder because they traded for Jamar Taylor from the Browns. So they have an extra fifth and no sixth for next year. Best pick, Byron Murphy, the number one corner on my board, and to get him in the second round is just unbelievable. Worst pick, Andy Isabella in round two. Yeah, speed, but if you're going to go draft two more wide receivers – who I would rank ahead of Isabella, personally. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I feel like they're just kind of making a mistake there. Biggest hole on the roster. Tight end is a mess. Offensive line is just abysmal. And zero nickel corners on their roster. So if they're wanting to play teams and attract me and just air the ball out, you got to be able to defend that. And I don't think that they have that at all. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this and know your enemy. And I will be back breaking down more of the 49ers rookie pick soon. Thank you guys and enjoy the Rage Against the Machine.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.